Hey everyone, Sean and Dave here from Saturday Morning Cartoons. We need to thank the following amazing people for going to our Patreon account and supporting this show. So a huge thank you to... Jonathan Renteria Elier. John Helter. Jack Connolly. Derek Haynes. Alex Kazanis. Jarmaine Myrick. Tyrese Walton. Allison Keane. Dr. Jason Woods. The wonderful Melanie Harker. The incomparable Sean Paul Ellis. Oh, and the phenomenal David Trumbor. I thank you so much. Now, you guys might wonder why we are thanking ourselves and some familiar names of the podcast. It's because we want you to know that we not only appreciate your uh, donations to the podcast here, but we are actually putting in our hard-earned dollars as well. So to give you guys an idea of what you can actually get for some of these monthly contributions through Patreon, if you can't contribute any money whatsoever, we would love it if you guys would just visit patreon.com slash Saturday Morning Cartoons, remember that's morning with a U, and just share that link out among your social media uh, pages. That would help us out a lot and just get the word out there. If you do want to kick in a couple of bucks, you get some cool stuff back in return. So you may not know that we send out a monthly newsletter that not only tells people about upcoming news that we have going on, We've definitely got some cool stuff coming in the next couple of months here for you. But we'll also announce the upcoming list of shows that we're going to be covering. So if there's a cartoon out there that you actually like, you're going to get to hear about it in the monthly newsletter. Other than that, you also get special uh, thank yous in the newsletter. You get a special shout out like this one right here in each and every episode. You can get early access to weekly episodes and you can also get access to our special behind-the-scenes rambling between Sean and myself. Oh, boy. Yeah, there's some gems in there. So you're going to want to check that out. Again, head on over to patreon.com slash Cartoons to do so, and thank you so much to everyone who is a current patron. Thank you to our patrons. Thank you so much for listening. And now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoons, the weekly podcast that revisits, reviews, and ridicules some of the world's weirdest animated series. Coming to you from the Hall of Justice, I'll be your co-host, Dave Trumbor. Joining me as always from the Rogues Gallery, it's Sean Paul Ellis. How's it going, Sean? Hey, David, David, David. I'm doing well, buddy. How about yourself? I'm doing good, man, but I feel like we've got, we got a tough one on tap today, and I don't know if we can do it ourselves. I don't know if we can do it justice. I, I don't think that we can do it justice. In fact, in order to uh, in order to bring it home, uh, we've assembled a squad over here uh, to be able to make this squad? happen. And so, not a suicide squad. Oh, thank God. Thank uh, God. I mean, real rough. <laughs> thank God. Uh, they might feel like this is like pulling teeth. I wasn't, wasn't going to say it's that suicide. Yeah, I just a think good, that they, a good but awkward. It gets dark yeah. real quick. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we have returning uh, friend of the show, uh, director of Crowded Elevator Pictures, Tony Lazzaroni is joining us. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Welcome back. Yeah, thank you for coming back, Tony. Yeah, my pleasure. And we also have, new to the show, we have DC-based performer Joe Randazzo. Joe Randazzo with his first episode. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Ooh, welcome to the show. So why are you guys joining us today? What's, what's going on? What are we talking about today? So we are discussing the Justice League in Super Friends. <laughs> you like that? Yeah, you pulled that around. Halfway through, you kind of gave up on it. But you recovered nicely. Yeah, Justice League in Super Friends. They, so they, 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 have, they bought the rights to Justice League and then renamed it Super Friends. And it was a Hanna-Barbera cartoon from the 1970s. And it ran for a little while. So Sean's got some more background on it, I assume. Right? I mean, you did your homework on we it. Always, no, we always assume. Yeah. Always assume with me, please. So Super Friends is an American animated television series which ran from 1973 to 1986 on ABC as a part of its Saturday morning cartoon lineup. 
It was produced, as Joe had mentioned, by Hanna-Barbera and was based on the Justice League of America and the associated comic book characters published by DC Comics. The and name of the- every other Hanna-Barbera comic or show from that era. Let's exactly. Say that's the other side of this, but we'll get to that. Yeah. The name of the program has been variously represented as the world's greatest Super Friends, the all-new Super Friends Hour, Challenge of the Super Friends, and more at different points in its broadcast history. There were a total of 109 episodes, wow, and two backdoor pilot episodes of the new Scooby-Doo movies, which featured Batman and Robin appearing in the dynamic Scooby-Doo affair and the caped crusader caper. I was really hoping that last one would be a tongue twister for you, but you did you did pretty good. Oh, thanks. Did a good job. I appreciate it. Hey, have you guys heard of like Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman before? I don't know if you have. I feel like they might be kind of niche. Uh, I might have picked it up at one point. Picked them up, okay. I think yeah. I saw a movie about it recently. Yeah, there's a couple out there. And I, I cried all the way through it. I really want to talk to what you think a Super Friends version of a Justice League movie would look like in this day and age. <laughs> like this, this cartoon turned into a Justice League movie? Oh, yeah, like Zack would, Snyder's would cause Super a riot. Friends. Just, oh, Jesus, it would be awful. It would be better than Superman v. Batman, though. Batman yeah, all right, can I, can I just say something like a slightly on topic but off topic? Um, I liked Batman v Superman because uh, <laughs> because I only saw the uh, like the extended edition um, I, with the extra like half hour. Like I waited for the extended edition to come out and paid like 20 bucks for it, which I was annoyed about. But um, the extended edition actually is like, well, oh, that makes coherent sense. Everything seems logical. And then I went back and saw what they cut out. And I was like, no, that's the whole crux of the movie. How could you cut that out? And then none of this would make sense. So I don't know what edition you guys saw, but if you watch the actual extended edition with nothing else, it's like, oh, this is a decent, if not long movie. So you don't like Batman v Superman. You like the extended edition of yes. Batman v Superman. I like, I, I like the non-theatrical that's... cut of Batman v Superman. I will say this. The first thing I watched was the extended edition, and it was still just like a steaming pile of crap. Like it made slightly <laughs> more sense than the edited version. Which was yeah. completely incomprehensible. But watching the extended version, I was just like, this this is just garbage. Like this did not deserve to be made and I feel bad for everyone involved. But this is a <laughs> but like, this is a, a debate that has been raging since it released and will continue uh, to debate. So we're gonna we're gonna walk on the lighter side with Super Friends. But go ahead, you had a you had a comment to make, Joe? But don't you feel like the the level of um this movie is so terrible, like lowered your expectations so much that at that point you were like, Yeah, I guess it's fine. I did not find anything fun about it personally. Um, fine, but also because of fun. my my daily grind, this is like this was in my face pretty much twenty four seven for like six months mm-hmm. ahead of it. So it kind of wears me down ahead of time. So when it does show up, I expect it to be like uh, make sense, be entertaining, and leave me wanting to watch it again. And I got none of those things out of it. So teach their own, teach their own. I, I think the challenging thing for me was that after watching uh, BVS it sort of eroded my expectations to the point where when I finally saw Suicide Squad, I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. Oh, see, I was the exact opposite. I was yeah, like, no, I'm kidding. Like, oh, they're all not God. great. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was Wonder like, Woman, Wonder, Wonder Woman was good. Wonder Woman was good. Unless uh, you're James Cameron. Okay, well, can I <laughs> yeah, right. Can I give a dissenting opinion on Wonder Woman? I, please. You okay. like Batman v Superman and did like We'd Wonder like Woman. to welcome James Cameron no, to the show. James here. Cameron, take it away. Uh, no, okay, hold on. You know what? No, I've given this opinion several times and it's unpopular. So, um, and it, it, it gets me called names that I don't need to be called. 
No, no, get a live it. thing. No, I just like it was fine, and I saw it at a drive-in theater um, with my son who refused to go to sleep um, at two o'clock in the morning. So he was like literally climbing on top of me, and he was a three-year-old. Um, so it wasn't the best experience. So I'll start there. But I don't like. So here's my real problem with it. I don't like coming-of-age stories where the hero is stupid. Um, and I didn't like the fact that she was like, what is this? What world a man is this? And it's like, don't you do this? And it's like, all right, lady, like you're Wonder Woman. You speak like 30 languages. Why don't you? And you read all these books on everything. It's like, I, I want her to be, I wanted her to be a little more capable. I thought Gal Gadot was great. I thought everything else was great, but I just wanted to see her as a more capable person. That being said, I recognize that all of the, you know, the, the gender politics of it has a lot of uh, weight and it's a fine movie, but I wasn't blown away by it like other people were. Fair enough. I mean, that is on my... the point of being capable, I'd argue that she's the most capable person in the movie. Um, just the fact that she's a fish out of water, it adds a little bit of humor to it, but I, I didn't think they overdid it that much with that. I do need to see it again, though. I only saw it the one time in the theaters, and I, I really do need to see it again before I have a, a, a more concrete opinion. Go ahead. And, and I mean, that's the same reason why I didn't love Spider-Man Homecoming. Sure. You know, like I thought it was good, it was fine, but I don't really enjoy like the coming of age stories of these things. My Spider-Man was 90s Spider-Man, who's a full grown adult and married to a supermodel. So like, I want to see a capable superhero who's not brooding and awful. Can I ask you a question? Do you like fun though? Because it seems like from what you're saying, that, like fun's <laughs> not like super high on your list of things. We've examined this in the past, and the answer is typically no. Typically not. <laughs> oh, man, I can't wait to see your typically opinion not. of Super Friends. It was not high. <laughs> hey, we agree. Well, let's get we into it. We agree on so, things. So you guys probably out there know DC Comics. You know the, the holy trinity of DC Comics. But if you need to know like what Super Friends is about, I'll, I'll give you a little rundown. So as Sean mentioned, this thing ran for like over a decade. There were a number of iterations. Early on, Super Friends focused on far-fetched schemes of mad scientists and aliens who are invariably revealed as being well-intentioned and simply pursuing their goals through unlawful or disreputable means. Typically, at the end of each story, a peaceful and reasonable discussion would be performed by the heroes to convince the antagonists to adopt more reasonable methods. The all-new <laughs> Super Friends Hour departed somewhat from the previous series formula by featuring villains using more elaborate methods to further their goals. As a rule, they could not be reasoned with, requiring the heroes to use direct force to stop them. Beginning with Challenge of the Super Friends, several of the heroes' arch-villains from the comic books, such as Lex Luthor and the Riddler, began to feature prominently in comic-style stories. Throughout the series, plots often wrap themselves up neatly in the final minutes of an episode in the fashion of the typical comic books and Sean's favorite, Deus Machina. So it's interesting to yeah. see that over the course of like the 13 years or whatever this was on the air, that they went from generic villains people that didn't really exist in the comics almost like i guess the comics did early on before they had these arch villains uh, but then they eventually were like oh we've got this entire like legion of doom to pull from so how about we start using these guys as well but for the episode we're talking about today we, we don't get to see any like familiar villains at all we get to see some very interesting uh depictions and and uh suggestions for who our super powered friends are gonna go face so go ahead sean i'll let you take it away yeah
for today's show, we watched an episode of Super Friends from 1973 that was titled The Planet Splitter, and this was episode 15. So this was, as Dave had mentioned with sort of the synopsis, this was well before they had started pulling in some of the more notorious villains where they were actually talking things out during some of these episodes. Now, Joe, you made this recommendation for this specific episode, Mm -hmm. and there was a reason behind it, correct? Yes. So in 2001, uh, I snapped my leg playing football. And uh, and when I got home from the surgery uh, on my leg, I snapped my tibia fibia, which is not fun. Uh, they gave me lots of Percocets and basically I was in bed for about a week. I had Boomerang at that time yeah. and Boomerang ran a Super Friends marathon for like four days over the weekend. So I watched Super Friends on Percocets for basically three or four days straight. Now, to be fair, that's how I remember it. It may not have been that long. It may have been just two or three episodes that felt like it dragged on for oh, yeah. that time. Um, but it was awful. And and I, when you are high and still like, man, this doesn't make any sense, um, you have a problem. So I, I, I just want to clarify, you are recommending to people out there to watch all DC Comics cartoons and movies on some sort of medication, correct? Okay. I mean, at this point, you have to. I can I can I can attest to that to that whole thing with the medication because so I I had a closed reduction surgery on my uh, on my ankle because I broke it when I was in in high school and they put me under in like my my normal like room uh, and that's that's where they applied the anesthesia and um, their MTV was playing and Moby's body moving video was on and so I heard that song the entire time that I was out that was just playing like over and over and over in my head. And when I woke up, my ankle was fine, but yeah. I hated Moby. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> oh god! So I want to I want to ask really quick, Tony. Uh, since you are on the show tonight, did you have any exposure? Did you have any understanding of Super Friends before you had had this conversation with Joe? I was aware that the show existed. I didn't necessarily know uh, anything about the show as a like as the, the premise and that sort of thing, I'd seen, you know, little clips and stuff like that, but I never actually watched a full episode. Um, I was aware of who the super friends are. I know DC comics. I've got a background in, you know, comics in general. So uh, that much I understood. Uh, and I've seen enough Hanna-Barbera content to know how much was completely ripped off to incorporate into this show. But uh, no, the, the show in and of itself, I didn't know inside out or upside down, anything like that. And so when we were talking about this uh, last night, you had mentioned that you were kind of looking at this from the point of view of a director mm-hmm. and sort of the, what what do we have in store then that we can kind of uh, get excited about for later in this episode? I don't know if it's excitement related, but the in the early part of the episode, there's a whole section where they're in the, the Super Friends like fortress or I don't know what they technically call it, but the Hall of uh, Justice. Hall of, Hall of Justice. Thank you. The, the, but uh, they, they had weird names for everything. The computer still is the one that cracks me up the most. The <laughs> Troubler. <laughs> what was it? The, uh, the Troubler. Troubler computer um, with the lightning logo on it. So you knew that it was new and fancy. Uh, but no, like the, uh, uh, the, the thing that, that got me was in that whole scene. It's basically like the person who was drawing it, watched the movie Citizen Kane. 
and tried to rip off as many of like the <laughs> like the depth tricks and stuff like that where you have one character's head taking up the right half of the frame and then the full body of the other character taking up the other half of the frame because <laughs> they're standing like 20 feet back and for whatever reason specifically putting like that's supposed to be a power move you're supposed to put the the, the more powerful person in the foreground and the and the weaker person in the background and uh they kept on putting batman and robin back in the background <laughs> like <laughs> Just standing there awkwardly. And putting Wonder Woman yeah. and Superman up front. Yeah. But, but so to, it's very obvious that, like, they have no power. But to be fair, um, it sounds like that that person is the only person who knew what they were doing while making this show. <laughs> and it was just for that sequence of scenes. Because it was clear that the writers were like, I, I don't know who these characters are, and I'm just going to throw them yeah. in there. Oh, so, so terrible. Yeah. Good time. Well, well, getting into the show tonight, then, let's start at the very beginning. Let's start with the theme song. And Joe, since you're our guest tonight, we want to start off with you and throw this over. What were your initial impressions of watching and listening to this theme song? So the theme song's actually not bad. Um, it's pretty decent. It's your standard superhero theme song. You see the super friends doing things, uh, you know, like Aquaman talks to fish and literally that's what he does in the theme song. And he does, and Superman is flying, and Batman's running, and Wonder Woman is, I, I don't know, wondering. Like, uh, because she, but like, you see them doing things that look like they're in action or that they're going someplace, um, which is not something you see at all during the show. Uh, so the actual title was more interesting than the 43 minutes that <laughs> followed it. I would have literally have rather watched. Just the title on repeat for 43 <laughs> times. Because that's was like, oh, here comes Aquaman's talking to fish. Oh, that shark's going to do some. Nope, Aquaman. Aquaman radiated waves at it. Neat. <laughs> so there you go. Neato. <laughs> uh, theme wise, I thought this one was, I, I agree with Joe. I think it was fine. I uh, the, the visuals, yeah, were definitely far better. But I feel like that's that's actually just a cartoon general thing where they always try and put together like a mini like bottle episode of the best clips of action from any show uh the hysterical ones are the ones where it, it's not anything that ever occurs in the show where they've literally just made it for that theme and i i would part of me is interested to see if through the rest of the show you could watch through and pick up all those elements if they're actually from other episodes or if it's if it's something that was completely assembled just for this purpose. Yeah, but would you really want to watch other episodes of this? No, I don't. Yeah, there's no reason. That's why just I'm let curious, it go. But I'm it's not just that something curious. that you could just forget about. <laughs> You're like, I guess that's a question that'll go unanswered. <laughs> Life choices. Dave, did you have any impressions from the theme song? I mean, basically, what the guys have said already. Honestly, as far as like the the instrumental, the song version of it, it was it was kind of generic. Like, I can't really. It didn't have a great hook. I don't really remember too much from it. Um, the only good thing is that they had a roll call, but at the same time, do you really need a roll call for Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman? I, these are like some of the most recognizable characters on the show. The only thing I will say is that they do introduce the two shitty kids and their Scooby-Doo ripoff or Astro Mutt ripoff, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it, Dino Mutt <laughs> yeah. and, and Astro. I'm combining the Jetsons with, uh, whatever the other cartoon show was, but like they do kind of throw those idiots in at the end to be like it's fun and for kids which i hated so go ahead sean uh can i just say that that is pretty typical uh hanna-barbera bullshit uh and i hate hanna-barbera i'm gonna throw that out there i was never a hanna-barbera <laughs> fan 
I'm very sorry. Muttley's my favorite character. All right. It's just because he's smarmy looking and a dog. Uh, but it's a garbage show for, for I don't want to say for garbage people, but like it's a garbage compared to Warner Brothers. It's not even not even a contest. Like, I, I'm sorry. And it's just ugh. Ugh. Hanna Barbera does a lot of tropey things too that yes. come up, and I've I've got some notes on on those that they they reuse the same Background. concepts and things over and over again. Oh, also, they use Casey Kasem's voice like thirty times yeah. throughout this episode, and it's <laughs> it's such a recognizable voice. It's not differentiated in any way, shape, or form. He's never doing it's any sort of an accent <laughs> or no anything. Accent. It's just Casey Kasem, and, and at any point in time, he might present. I just the next kept song. waiting for him to like count down the top ten songs of nineteen seventy three. It just didn't, you know, <laughs> as like Batman, but it didn't work. And, and the one thing I noticed is that the voice of Wonder Mutt or whatever the useless dog was yeah. is done by Frank Welker, who is Megatron. Uh, He's one of he's one of the most noteworthy voiceover artists who probably voiced cartoon characters from our childhood that we we don't even know. And he has been present and available. We've done cartoons where he's just done an animal and done grunts. And we're just like, yeah, we can tell that that's Frank Welker. It's so well done. Yeah. Uh, But I mean, he's he's impressive with just such a, a laundry list of just incredible works and then just to be the, this dog in this cartoon. It's just and a useless dog. So, so. I, the one thing I do want to say about this yeah. theme song, I agree with everybody on the points that we've made. The one thing that was very interesting was that towards the very end, we get an actual mission statement for what our heroes are going to focus on, which I want to say, yeah, so we get at the very end that they, we talk about the fact that they, uh, they're going to fight injustice. Uh, they're going to uh, right that which is wrong. And so you get sort of this idea of, which I don't think that we see commonly in theme songs, uh, where you sort of get and are telegraphed that message of just, these heroes are doing these things. And it's very short, it's succinct, it's quick, sure. but it's nice. Yeah. It's sort of nice to set the the tone. It's a little like the A-Team's yeah. theme song. Exactly. Yeah, where it's like, if you need the help and there's injustice, you know. DuckTales too. <laughs> yeah, DuckTales as well. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> Well, if there's a stranger out to find you, yeah, or something, <laughs> you just yeah, gave up halfway through that one. Is <laughs> the stranger out to find you? There's a stranger lurks behind you. Yeah, oh, what to okay. do? Just grab onto some ducktails. Yep. Woo. Yeah. You guys mentioned oh, Hanna Barbera a bunch, so do you want to jump into the animation style because there are some very obvious parallels, and like Tony mentioned, yeah. tropes. Um, I mean, it's oh god, it's so awful. I just, I can't start even. at the beginning. I just, it's just, I, I don't even know where to start. It looks like every other Hanna-Barbera cartoon. These big fleshy blobs of no definition superheroes. And it's like, oh, here's a stupid ass dog and some kids who don't take their costumes off ever. And it's like, even though Superman's in disguise, like, think that one through, kids. Like, Superman's in disguise and you're walking around with them. People are going to put two and two together. You're in public. Get your shit together. <laughs> Well, we're going to talk about this later, but they're not exactly keeping any secrets whatsoever with oh, the, the, the origin worst. story. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> uh, any, anything else? I no, know, I don't. I don't. I'm not. Uh, I did notice that only the women get eye color. Interesting. Like that, the, they're the only ones that yes. actually have pupils that are of, of any color. All the all the men have just black little dots for eyes. Some of them don't even get the white of the eye; they just get the black. Wendy dot has on the deep skin blue color. eyes. Yeah, yeah. And, and like 
disturbingly deep blue eyes yeah. compared to the others, uh, which is is something that's very interesting in this. Uh, they they do reuse designs. I mean the the dog is a typical one. The kids are both typical designs. That there there's not there's not there's nothing distinct. You could put them in a lineup with a bunch of other Hanna Barbera characters. Remove the outfits that they're wearing, and you would not be able to point who was from what show. That's Super like, Friends after dark. Put them if you're in all taking the same them out of their clothes, clothes though. I don't know if Hanna Barbera <laughs> would like that. That's that's what I. That's what I'm gonna do. Uh, you can you can check into the uh, the SMC uh, was it Instagram mm-hmm. later on so that they can see uh, the thing the ways I'm gonna Photoshop you sure. with the uh, green yeah. backdrop behind put you. Me, Dave. Yeah. Put topless oh, Wonder Woman no. from Hanna Barbera right back here if you don't mind. Preferably on a roller coaster. Please sure. Don't. Yeah, that's what Please I was gonna do. <laughs> Seems like a Warner Brothers lawsuit ready yeah. to happen. <laughs> At least we'll be on their radar. <laughs> it's, a, it's a work of parody. Protected. <laughs> Anything, anything more from you, Tony? Uh, Animation-wise, n- not from this. I'm, I'm interested in some of the content that was made after the fact that was like picking, fu- poking fun at this stuff and seeing more of it that was the source material for things like yes. ambiguously gay duo and that sort of thing later on. So, uh, there, there were some things that I was, I was in tune to look for in this, and they, those were nice. You could really see like the the cost saving measures and stuff that they were going for. So they did the kind of typical. It's very typical in like Japanese anime where you have a one still image that's fairly like detailed and well drawn that the camera just kind of like pans across it for as long as they can conceivably do that to eat up a bunch of uh, screen time without actually animating anything. They did that a couple of times. They they did another thing too where where Superman uh, is is talking and they're it's like when they're inspecting this you know we'll get into the story but the stolen gem and uh, they just cut to a shot behind Superman and he looks over his shoulder says like one line and looks back and they just hang on the back of <laughs> Superman's head for another like line of, of, of dialogue out. and I'm like that yeah. was just trying yeah that's like that's that that's some of that time of the 43 minutes we could probably cut down <laughs> also one of the things that I noticed that they do a lot is uh Oh, we're going to go here now. Everybody get in your car and yes. fly away. And it's just <laughs> shots times. of people traveling to and fro. And it's just, and, and it basically the only thing I think Wonder Woman does in this whole episode is drive. Like she's just, I'm just going to fly my plane and that's it. Well, it was very challenging when the whole thing turned into wacky races and Muttley showed up <laughs> at that point. So I thought that maybe for some reason, this is why you wanted this episode. Right. It was weird. I, no, I, I uh, just the traveling thing. It's that everybody got a vehicle <laughs> yes. except for Aquaman, who just swims like hell. I, I can't wait to talk about that because the narrator even calls it out explicitly. He's like, Batman and Robin got in this vehicle. Wonder Woman got in this vehicle. And here's Aquaman just fucking swimming in the ocean. <laughs> swimming his ass off to the minute. Oh, my God. I can't wait to talk about this. How, did he, how did he get to shore? Like, is there an inlet behind the back of the, like, <laughs> Justice League headquarters? Where it's like, get in the water, sewer you're fine. <laughs> he comes yeah. up the fountain. <laughs> I want to see the first ten minutes. Just, at he... some point, they're just flushing him down a toilet. Yeah. She's just, like, you'll just, get there eventually, don't worry. He's just worry. shawshanking yeah, his yeah, yeah, way exactly. through. Like... I want to see the mutated fish he met in the uh, sewer oh system. <laughs> talking had a conversation him. with. <laughs> That's his bus depot. That's his... <laughs> That's his train station interaction. <laughs> it's going through the sewer system and talking to the fish down Man, there. Man, but talking about the production quality of this thing, yeah, just the uh, there was still some like just really wonky animation just from them just walking from place to place. Their action poses, which like we said, were recycled over and over. Batman just standing in the background awkwardly sometimes. I don't know why he was like posed in such a way to make him look like his bones were detached. 
Um, yeah, the high waist, uh, yeah, hand on the just hip like, thing. That was, yeah, that and then, was. And then the dialogue. I'm fine with that. Too. The dialogue sync was awful. And I think it's because they just reused a bunch of uh, scenes over and over again. So they had scenes of the people talking, yeah. but they crammed different dialogue in just so they could use them over and over. So, yeah, not great. It's very weird that you bring up the, Dave, you bring up the, the like the high hand on the waist because that's, that's like a Superman power pose is to put your hands on your waist. And then they give it to Batman, but it's, it's like they were just like, no, we too. need to go it's higher. Yeah. We need to and get higher. Like, it's almost like they were trying to make a bat wing. Like, they were trying to make a bat wing out of what his arms were. It was, it was off-putting. I occasionally find myself doing that. Like, just like, not like on hip, but like, like mid, mid-rib. like rib, <laughs> you know? Like, and, and I just sit and I just be like, this is a... This is super effeminate pose right here, and I just bring it back down. All right, Josh jo- 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 is doing it, and even that was better though. And I think this is why the Superman one works is that he's yes. doing it with a closed fist. And both Batman and both had the arms. open hand. That was, yeah, that was that was the weird thing. It's just having the open hand just looks. I don't know. It's and then his effeminate. dialogue with with oh Robin, not the best. Wait, <laughs> so, was, are you sure it wasn't that ties the best into from it? this show? Because I'm pretty sure it was the best <laughs> on this episode. All right. It depends on your frame of reference here. So, but I think it's, we'll get into it. I, I think the final thing just about the animation style that was really off-putting to me is we transition into characters, that this is applicable for all of these characters, is just, as we talked about, the flesh-colored eyes. It, it's, we have certain characters that have colored pupils, and then instead of having whites of their eyes, they are just the same color as the skin and the flesh tone that's around them, and it is immediately noticeable and extremely off-putting to just have people with those kind of eyes and because they they focus on them a lot and you see them move around. It seems like the only person who actually has consistent whites of their eyes is this wonder dog and he has the derpiest faces that he makes over and over and over again. And it's to the point where I'm like, his eyes aren't going in the same direction <laughs> ever. <laughs> It's creeping me out. I'm like, this dog has seen some shit and should just maybe <laughs> relax. Maybe this dog, sh- maybe this dog should not be a working animal at this point. Maybe this the dog, Forrest just- Whitaker of dogs. Oh, no. <laughs> you mean you mean ghost? The last dog? king of Scotland of dogs. <laughs> ghost dogs are really simple, yeah. yeah. Ghost dog. <laughs> the way of the. Justice friends, give a shit. <laughs> but speaking of the justice friends, like, do we do we even need to talk about the characters? Normally, when we talk about characters on this show, it's to introduce you know characters people have no idea who they are. Is there anybody who specifically jumps out that you like? Maybe a new character that only shows up for this episode, or characters that aren't part of the DC Comics? Go ahead. So I think the thing that's important to note, and we we've talked about this already, is that we have three characters that are specific for this show that they actually premiered in this Super right. Friends 1973 show uh, and, and then became future canon in other in, in oh. Teen Titans. As and they, like side characters. Correct. Yes. And so sort of in the similar sense that uh, Barbara Gordon is the Oracle after her run-in with the Joker and sort of like being able to, to process information and give information in to Batman joke. and Robin. Yeah. I'm sorry, yeah, in the killing, the killing joke. joke yeah. uh, this is the moment where you have these characters, at least the the male and the female character, Wendy and Marvin, they become a character that is called Proxy that passes information off to the Super Friends hmm. and the Teen Titans. And, and, so, and I, I want to remind people, if they're listening, 
um, and you think you know who Wendy and Marvin are, I want to be cautioning you because in this version uh, of the show, they are not, I think, who you think they are. They're not the Wonder right. Twins because the Wonder Twins came later in Super Friends and they were they dressed up in purple and one turned into a hawk and the other turned into a yep. bucket of water. Um, <laughs> so, like, they had actual powers. These are two non-powered individuals who Superman feels comfortable putting in danger for oh, no I reason. I love his parenting skills in this episode. One of them, one of them caped yes. for some god unknown reason. Like with a homemade costume, like his Halloween. Like there's something costume. wrong yes, with him. Very much something wrong with him. And and Superman is just like really pandering to him for it no real reason. Dog. Like maybe he killed his parents or something. Yeah, and there's a service. It dog. A lot. It's like sure, buddy, you can wear a cape. You can wear whatever, whatever you, you want, want today. You can go to the circus, sure. Have a good good job, Marvin. Yeah. Here's some quarters. Try and awkwardly flail. Would you like to win a, a Cupid doll? Yeah. Who oh, wants God. to get this like Cupid doll? Maybe he did have a power. And then a gorilla. Like a bottomless pocket. He kept Jesus. pulling out one last quarter. One last quarter. So maybe he did have some sort of like <laughs> hammer space thing going on. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> He has an amazing power yeah. to waste money. That's, that's what great. His power is. Oh, that's Batman's power. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he wasted a good amount on Robin. Oh, boy. So, uh, so we have these. We have these characters. We have these characters. We have Wendy. We have Marvin. We have this dog. Uh, Joe, any any specific insight that you have? Because these are the new characters that we have. Uh, style, demeanor, anything about them that jumped out to you? I mean, they're obviously there just to be the audience stand in you know it's a it's a kid's cartoon uh they're there just for the same reason really that sidekicks were always there in the beginning which was to make kids feel like they could be part of this action that's why bucky was made in the 40s that's why robin was made um and it's kind of the same thing that you were talking about before dave where um this almost harkens back to like hey we're gonna start this all over again for animation and we're not going to learn anything until really like the second or the third season about how we should make this. Um, so I think that's why they put them in there. They're just stand-ins for the audience, for kids. And they're useless. The weird part is that they do most and of I, the like, action in this plot. Like The superheroes are just kind of, like you mentioned, standing, traveling, or just standing again in a different place. It's really strange how little they actually do in this entire 43-minute episode while the kids are doing most of the like yeah. in-between stuff. It's, I mean, it is just a lot of just standing around or the same pose help, which is going back to the Hanna-Barbera animation style. It's just trying to cut down the cost and make it so that it's as yeah. cheap as possible to produce, yet feels action-packed. And, yeah, just doesn't do anything for me. <laughs> yeah, and they, and they constantly have to, they demand at one point to be dropped off at a bus station. <laughs> at literally any, state, or any city. <laughs> any city any in state. America. Just drop us off at a bus station, please. Different times. <laughs> You're like, this is... This. Uh, and they're like, they're committing... The, the bad guys are committing a crime. They're standing next to him. And I think she she literally says, I protest. Um, and like, like it's some sort of courtroom yeah. battle. Um, it's like, what are you doing? Objection! Yeah, I don't, I don't like this at all. Drop us off at a bus but station. Like such a nice, kindly okay, gentleman. Lady. Yeah. So let's we we've talked about these right now. So we have these two villains that again as we've mentioned because this is very early on in Super Friends, these 
villains do not actually have any powers mm-hmm. again they, they are they are as powerful as the junior super friends that we have which i love the fact that they're just like we're junior super friends and associates <laughs> and i'm like what the sure <laughs> great wonderful law firm that you mm-hmm. put together here so uh this is also in that period of time for super friends where they are resolving a lot of things through discussion and sort of trying to win over these well-intentioned villains who are going about their their means in an unjustified manner mm-hmm. uh, where they're trying to win them over simply with words instead of fists. So we have Wilbur yeah. and Dr. Laban. Anything jump out to, and Joe will go to you, anything jump out to you about these two villains? So I, I, I just want to point out that I think part of the reason why these episodes are so lame um, is because... I think the standards of the day were more strict, so you couldn't have Superman or anyone actually show physical violence against people. So that's why I think most of the other episodes that I watched while high were um, <laughs> were aliens yeah. or scientists and people who were, like you said before, generally well-intentioned uh, and could be talked down with a stern talking to. So you couldn't really have these like muscle-bound villains uh you had to have your generalized science and one was a criminal and the other was just the worst possible scientist in the world who somehow created an amazing technology and then just gave up on all common sense after that (laughs) tony anything from you uh so uh, uh, from going back to kind of animation style slash character design in general i i found kind of a a, a trope in this that i want to go back and look into but it, i seem to recall like all like lead bad guys are always bald that that's something that that seems because the both also the the uh the leader at, on krypton that tells them like no you can't build a spaceship like he's he's got the the crusty the clown style like you know hair going out on either side of his head type look um, but then, um, the other one is, uh, Wilbur is the ugliest drawn character in the show, which I think back to the bad guys are always like non-symmetrical and just really kind of heinous looking. And that should have tipped me off earlier. And I think maybe that's a trope in and of itself that the ugliest person on camera is usually the bad guy. Cause I mean, even these, you know, dopey little kids are, are still like, uh, they're right symmetrical like they're they're, they're very yeah wendy's design. good looking yeah i mean well for like that's... a teenager cartoon like if i was what, I no mean, no I, please keep no no keep going keep going jeff do you mean the internet um <laughs> <laughs> no i just mean like she's she's pleasing to look at in a non-sexual way that's all <laughs> That's, I'm not going to get any further. No, <laughs> and none of us are going to respond? We're just going to let you I wallow in this? Yeah, apparently. <laughs> just make sure when you edit this together, you just leave a nice long 45 pause. Seconds. Right <laughs> no, I mean, Marvin's a good-looking kid, too. He's your typical all-American kid, but Wendy has those piercing blue eyes. Yeah, tell, me, yeah. tell, me, tell me how you're attracted to this dog, I'm not this cartoon dog. <laughs> Let's ask this question. Are Marvin and Wendy, are they together? Or is she like his special caretaker because he's a special boy with special problems? I thought they were brother and sister. Are they not brother I don't know. and sister? I didn't, I didn't look I didn't that deep into it, and sister. to be honest. Oh, Jesus. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, I'm, I'm, 
I'm not sure that was like maybe cousins. I don't know. I I don't know that I can explain the relationship. Uh, they don't they don't look alike enough to be brother and sister versus like the Wonder Twins that you do see yep. later on. They're obviously brother and they're obviously maybe that's twins. what I'm confusing yeah, them with the Wonder yeah. Twins. Yeah, who I think are brother and sister. There's a whole another set of things going on there. Yeah. <laughs> so Dave, I want to I want to ask in terms of Wilbur and Doctor Laban. Any any final thoughts that you have about these two nah. terrible villains that are ugly and heinous nah, to look generic. at? And honestly, they did they didn't even look that ugly. I mean, I agree with Tony's point that Wilbur was kind of like asymmetrical. It looked like they just like squished both sides of his face into the middle for some reason. Um, but it wasn't even that that much. <clears throat> they weren't that heinous that you thought they were going to be like the most vile things ever. They were just kind of generic villains. And honestly. I think going back to Joe's point, this might have been in the era of like the comics code where they kind of really cracked down on uh, the violence and sexuality and stuff in comics, and that probably bled over into the adaptations as well. So this is probably why it's like definitely way toned down for kids, really generic, and literally not like one punch is thrown. It's just a lot of running around, standing, and talking to each other in really not exciting ways. No, I agree. I agree. So... We, we've, we've talked about this and we've kind of teased at this and I know that we all want to get into it. So uh, allow me to kind of set Please. the stage for this. This episode, as we have repeatedly mentioned, was 43 minutes no long. <laughs> for no reason. And so I, I actually broke this episode into four separate pieces okay, what do you got? in my brain. Uh, the first I would call the heist. The second I would call unnecessary origin mm-hmm. story. Mm. The third is how to adopt a child. And the fourth and final section of this, I would say, uh, I would call a really unnecessary conclusion or or terrible scientific method. Yeah. I would also so agree. Yeah. I guess oh, I'm, getting, I'm, I'm getting a lot of nods from terrible scientific methods. So uh, Dave, before I turn it over to you, uh, I just want to check and see. I know that we have some questions that a lot of us want to answer and we want to ask other people for this. So we're going to try not to go beat by beat uh, through this entire 43-minute episode because we would probably talk for more than 43 minutes about a 43-minute episode, which, trust me, we don't want to kill you with that kind of a recap because it's so terrible. But Dave, you had a quick question. Actually, all I wanted to do was do a quick synopsis that kind of encompasses your four points and just give people an idea of what this plot is supposed to be. So that way we can kind of go through and pick out the highlights or low points and talk about them and ask questions. Is that cool? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, let me do this. If I was to get, do you have a synopsis ready, Just off the top of my head, it's essentially just uh, these mad scientists are stealing diamonds from around the world, the super friends have to put a stop to it, and then it turns out that their plans are ultimately to destroy another planet in a system in order to bring the mineral rights into orbit around Earth. That's basically the <laughs> plot of this piece of crap. For the good of Earth. Yes, of course. Always for the good of Earth. Yeah, for the good of These Earth. These misguided scientists. That's it. So now we can play in that sandbox. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Joe, I want to turn it over to you first. Uh, because I know that you had some questions just in general about this show, and so I want to make sure that you get answers. Sure. So my first generalized question is, did the writers know who Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, or Aquaman were, or did they just take a show about people who have cars and (laughs) uh, paint costumes on them? Uh, Because basically all they do is they go... 
yeah, we should go to this place. And then they spent a lot of time on logistics. Like, let's go here and you go here. Um, and then also at my favorite part was when Batman, they're like, Batman, you go to Egypt to this tomb. And he's like, all right, I'm going to get my helicopter and go. And I was like, he's, he's going to die in yeah. the Atlantic. Like, <laughs> I don't think that's going to work out well. That's going to take forever. Like... So that was my first question. So I want to I want to help answer this. So a lot of the cartoons sometimes that we will watch when we have teams like I'll, I'll use Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as an example. Great show. Great show. And so there are there are moments where you will see the turtles that kind of like snap into action mm-hmm. and they're just like, guys, like do this certain plan that they've already rehearsed or they've already kind of orchestrated uh, behind the scenes through maybe training that they have. It's it's history that they have between their group. And so they snap into it and you don't really need to see the logistics behind it. Right. Other times we have cartoons where maybe let's say uh, a group or a squad is not as well communicative as what you would want. And they jump into a battle and they have no idea what they're doing and they get beaten as the hero very, very quickly. And in those moments, my criticism for them is it's always like, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more planning. Like there, there was no there was no understanding or idea about what they were jumping into. They just jumped into it and they immediately failed despite saying like, we can't fail or like we have to do this. And so to see some of this planning, this is a corner case for me in this episode of super friends, because yes, sometimes it's nice to have that planning or a little bit of history. You would think that for these four DC comic characters in this show, they would icons, you know, mainstays, like this is what franchises are built off of these days. And you would think that they would have a little bit more communication or that they would have a little bit more history and understanding. But you're right. This whole show is them just saying like, well, we have to arrange travel plans. Yeah. I'll get on Travelocity. Can somebody get on kayak really quick and figure out what the next flight is? I need you to swim, Aquaman. Uh, okay. Like it, that's all it was. It was it was unnecessary planning. And I felt like it, I felt like, I was pained at the end of it because I sometimes have a hard time like booking travel and stuff like that for me. It can be a real pain in the ass. There were flashbacks for you. Yeah, there were flashbacks to me. Yeah. Like watching them do this, I was like, this is so, this is killing me. But Joe. Um, the, my, this leads to my favorite part of the whole episode, which was uh, they have to go to the circus. Uh, Marvin and them have to go to the circus and they, they go into these different places. Um, and, you know, Wonder Woman is assigned here. Batman and Robin are assigned to go to Africa in the helicopter. Um, and then they assign Wendy and Superman and Marvin to go to the circus. And Robin literally goes, man, I wish I could go to the circus. And he's like, I remember when my parents were killed at the circus and I was a circus performer. And Batman goes, well, too bad. We already planned this out. Let's go. <laughs> and he leaves. And it was the dickest move ever. So, Go ahead, okay, Dave. so Tony knows what I'm going to say. So there's an amazing back and forth bit of dialogue between these two here. And, and to Joe's point from earlier on, it's almost as if the writers either it's their first time reading and writing about these heroes or they think that it's the kid's first time like ever meeting any of these heroes. So they have to like introduce these weird little quirks of like their character backstories or their origins or like their formative moments. So everybody's getting their assignments and whatever. And then Robin pipes up and he's like, I'd sure like to go to the circus for old time's sake. And then he like looks dead at the camera and is like, I was a circus performer until my parents were killed and Batman took me in. To which Batman then turns to him and, and he's like smiling. He's like, yeah, what a great memory. 
And then he's like, and you taught me a few <laughs> tricks on the trapeze. And I just fucking lost it at that point. Like, what? What are you two talking about? Like, this is terrible. Yeah. I took I took the note on here of that exact oh. line and then put the note next to it. This is the thing, the moment most where I was like, I heard ambiguously yeah, gay exactly. duo. I love <laughs> really that they, they bonded that over the death and, of this kid's parents, his orphaning, as it were. And, and if you watch the later shows, it just okay. gets worse from here. Like, it's terrible. Like, they're in a caves together and just like, no problem. But I just thought like, he's like, hey, here's this painful childhood memory. And he's like, sucks to be you. We're going to Egypt, get in the car. Helicopter. So like I almost I almost would have liked if they had just done a round table then for everybody in yeah. that room and Batman had been like, Well, my my parents, uh, Thomas and Martha Wayne, were gunned down in Crime Alley by Joe Chill and <laughs> I'm still going to therapy to recover from that fact and and just Superman was just like, My father died on the planet where I was born with my mother. Yeah, but why but why and give just Superman like gone around like the three room. seconds to say that when you can devote twenty five minutes to his entire origin story in the middle of this episode? Jesus. Which they do. Oh, they did. That, that, that was the biggest that was the biggest unnecessary this show meandered. It was like, you know what? We're on a trajectory, but fuck it. And they just decided to just be like, you know what? We have forty three minutes, let's fill in whatever we want. How about a Superman origin story? And you're like, no, I don't need that. Dave. But before we even get to that point, I need to t- maybe maybe that explains Superman's terrible parenting skills. Because and I think I want to give Tony a chance. Yes. I think he talked about this before. So all everybody's gone to their different places around the globe. Superman is tagging along with these kids at the circus. What's their you know as Clark Kent? What's their relationship like uh, at the circus? <laughs> It's very much, he just deposits them out in the world. <laughs> he's just like, he's just like, and my, my favorite is later on when he's, when he's left them and gone back to the, to the, to the uh, home base and uh, what is Hall it called Justice. again? Fuck, I Justice, Le- Hall of Justice. Hall of Justice. They I don't even think, to, to be fair, I don't think it's called that in this specific in show, episode. Yeah. yeah. So they go, they go back to the, he goes back to the Hall of Justice and they, they ask him point blank. They're like, Hey, where are, uh, where are the kids at? And he goes, <laughs> I wrote down the line cause this is great. No doubt they're having a lot of fun right now on one of those wild rides. And I'm like, you can fucking fly. <laughs> can, I just, can I just say this, like, though? Did you because leave the kids there? He left the kids there, but he didn't just do it because like there was like a world-ending threat or something. He did it because he just flew around, gathered a shitload of balloons, and then flew <laughs> home. Right. The weirdest fucking scene of this uh, whole thing. He just Superman <laughs> fly with a bunch so, of balloons, leaving orphan kids behind him so, at the circus. So the context behind the balloons is that the, the bad guys were stealing the diamonds using ray guns in, hidden inside of, of balloons. Um, no, and they, those were the decoy balloons that they call the decoy right. balloons. And they actually, one of my other questions is, they're like, catapult the balloons. And it's like, how, how do you catapult the balloon? You just let it go. It's full of air. Just let the balloon go. And he literally, they were like, catapult the balloons. And Superman was like, gotta get these balloons. It was like he was on a side quest in some fucking 90s like video game where you have to collect all the balloons, otherwise you can't make it to Banjo-Kajooie's castle. So, <laughs> I, I also want to bring up just about these balloons. There are multiple times where we have our villains, where we have our, our doctor... He's saying, Damn it. red balloon, to make sure that the red balloon no is red focused on the big top. There is not a single fucking red balloon. They are, they are blue, 
They are green and they are yellow. There is not a single red balloon in this nope. entire show. And and my favorite part of that is he goes, make sure you put another red balloon. And the, the other guy, Harry or whatever the fuck his name was, Wilbur. Wilbur he goes, I know, I'll put it on the red balloon. Like, he catches an attitude with him, and there's still no red <laughs> just balloon. Like and he strings out three orange balloons yep. back yeah. to back, and, they, and everybody on the show counts them. Oh One, two. Yeah, they just, they, and that was another part of the plot that I really had a big problem with, is that they are watching crimes happen, and at one point, Superman's like, hey, your, uh, your diamond's getting stolen right off your neck. <laughs> And doesn't do <laughs> anything it about it. And his catchphrase is up, up, and away in these, by the way. Yeah. And, and then he goes, they're releasing all the balloons, and Superman is literally watching them release the balloons. And you know because he's going, eight, nine, ten, ten balloons. And you're just like, you know, you're Superman, right? Like, you have powers, and you could do anything. And the only power Superman uses the whole time is his x-ray vision. Yeah, and maybe he flies. And his superior intellect. Um, I I need to mention. So it's bad enough that Superman leaves these kids, one who's possibly special, alone in a circus full of like villains with like laser balloons. We should also mention, as the narrator likes to remind us multiple times through bouts of exposition throughout this forty-three minutes, that because of the like the chaos that is happening, uh, some elephants break free of their chains and stampede. When they stampede, they, they crash into a cage and they free a gorilla. So Superman not only left these kids with the villains who are stealing these diamonds and are about to embark on like an interplanetary adventure, he also leaves them with stampeding elephants and a gorilla that's on the loose. I just wanted to make sure that we knew just how vile that decision actually was. The friendliest possible gorilla, because the gorilla walks up and plays a carnival exactly. game. Uh, and the, and the kid, the kid does the total, this is where, where I was like, this is the three kids are Shaggy, Scooby and Velma at this moment, because he does the whole, like, like, and then then does that little sound effect as he runs away from something that is not in the least bit scary whatsoever. Uh, but it's, it's very much like Miguel Gorilla. Like they took Miguel Gorilla's body and they just put like a very generic gorilla head on it. Do you remember the, the phrase that are... Do you remember the phrase that our, our special needs superhero uh, says when he turns around and sees the gorilla? He goes, Zoinkers! No, he did not. Yes, he Son did! I knew that, yes, I knew that a did. minute before Zoinkers! that. Zoinkers! A minute before that, he said he was going to take another turn, but he's like, I'll let my friend here in the fur coat take a turn. It's like, God damn it, I hate this show. <laughs> and you knew, like just Tony, Tony just mentioned, you knew that that follow-up joke was coming a second later. You knew once that moment of recognition drilled into his brain. Yeah, This is sort of the heist portion of the show. Are, are there any additional questions that we need to get answered about this heist before we move on to this origin story? So go ahead, Tony. Why the hell do we need to know the carrot rating of every single diamond <laughs> in this stupid show? And repeat it. Repeat it over and over again. Important. I know 210 120 and 100 carats were the three diamonds that we got to, to follow along throughout the course of this. Why the hell does that matter? I, I, I think a deeper question is, why does the Justice League give a damn about diamonds? Like, this seems like a local police matter or FBI thing at best. And not only are they like, the Trouble Alert computer alerted them that a diamond was stolen but they immediately knew the location of other diamonds that had previously been stolen 
Like everybody knew everything and they were like, yep, these diamonds is like, this is 73. This is like Vietnam era. Like there's other stuff they could be doing at this point. And they're like, we're going to go solve a local crime. And that is the hackiest bunch of, of exposition in the entire show is the moment where they describe all these other diamonds that have gone missing in exceptional detail. Like, like to, to be able to say it was stolen from this organization in this city, in this part of the world during this. Like, I mean, it's just so. Well, I, I love the fact that when they're explaining the diamonds that uh, the diamond that has been stolen, that they're alerted to by the troubler, they're explaining all of this to this general that's on the computer screen. And he goes, aha and robin's like so by saying aha does this mean that this has happened before and then everybody in the room is like oh well i was tracking this other diamond i was tracking this other diamond." yo that's all relevant information for a diamond theft that's all above 100 carats like maybe maybe i don't know don't patch this guy in on facetime you could just have a little chit chat between everybody who's in that room right there dave can i just say this is one of those like sins that i absolutely hate in any storytelling whether it's animation live action movies whatever essentially the scene before superman shows up at the scene of the crime explains what happened someone stole your diamond they replaced it with a fake one we don't know why yet but this is something we're looking into this, the, the scene before this scene that we're talking about now cut to immediately maybe there was a commercial in between i don't know cut to immediately colonel wilcox holding this giant diamond the fake one and then literally just saying beat for beat what Superman just said. So what we know so far is someone stole the diamond and then replaced it with this relatively worthless zircon. Does that about sum it up? I'm like, yeah, just fucking summed it up. That was the last five minutes of this entire show that we just watched. There's no need. We didn't lose our minds over the commercial break and forget everything that happened in the previous 25 minutes. Like, we got it. We're on board. I hate, I hate stuff like that, where they just waste time just rehashing the same thing you just watched. No, I mean, I, I, to everybody's point. <laughs> Wait, can I just point out that's this entire it show is. like that you that you two Over. do? Okay, Over <laughs> every week, one hundred and seventy nine times. At, at the point where the, <laughs> at the point where like this is nothing but travel planning and just recapping on everything that just happened two seconds prior to this. So we have we have all of this information, and we we kind of get to the point where uh, we have our two kids and our dog that are on a spaceship that are being taken away by our villains. And this is the point where we learn that they're not stealing the diamonds because they intend to return them once they've shattered this planet, taken its resources, and brought them to Earth to benefit mankind. And so this is the point where we have our, our ugly villain, Ugly Face Wilbur, <laughs> is saying, can, where he prompts a little bit more about Superman... And this is sort of when we we get into and we meander over to this origin story. Fanboy, so I want to ask Superman fanboy. I don't know where that he, came from. This was was an unexpected turn of events to have him fanboy so hard with this. <laughs> yeah, at one point they're like, "I would want to do anything to piss off Superman." Roughly. Oh my god, the exact and, the exact uh, line. Do you remember the exact line? No, I don't. Uh, I think it's. I, I was kind of fading in and out. Yeah, I don't blame you. I feel bad about about being about so easily deceiving the super friends. Well, that that was great <laughs> no, too. He's like, I didn't think Superman was such a dummy. Um, now Marvin, Marvin, and Wendy they learn the <laughs> yeah. plan, and they're like, if Superman's your idol, then you'd better not break up a planet. He won't like it. And the other one's like, yeah, because that's what happened to his planet a long time ago. It's like, fuck. You knew you were getting into an origin story once they dropped that line. <laughs> And then it turns into a 20-minute origin story of Superman where we learn all about the backstory 
And then also that Superman's original mom is kind of a moron because there was a second seat in the ship and she's like, I'm not going to go. It'll be better if I stay here with you. So let me let me interject really quick and say, Joe, that the reason that she says this in the justification in the show is she's be like, because of my weight, our son will have a better chance of traveling to his destination if I don't ride with him. Right. And so this is the this is quite possibly the second time that people have either indirectly body shamed themselves <laughs> or body shamed another person because in in the uh, the spaceship where we have Wonder Mutt at some point, they say to him, they're just like, you can't eat all that steak. You need to go on a diet. You're getting too fat. And I'm just like, wait, is that, that, a, is that a severe problem for this dog? That's also how they yeah. end the show with, yeah. do you want to get fat dog? <laughs> yep. And it's like, oh God, leave the <laughs> fucking dog alone. He solved your crime. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I will Damn. say, yeah, body shaming for Wonder Dog or whatever his name is. I Not for Superman's mom though. I think they just had to find a way to write her out of being able to come to Earth with him. Otherwise, I would throw off his entire origin from the last 60 years. Um, it was a silly way to put it, but at least they tried to make it seem pseudo-scientific by saying, like, her added weight for the calculations, like, they would throw things off. It was crap, but uh, they should have just made it, like, a tiny little prototype that only fit a baby, because why wouldn't you make that? Yeah, I don't know. It was pretty dumb. Yeah. I, I have no idea. But it's also like, well, I'm just going to send this baby off, right. and hopefully it's fine. Right. And it's like, what? That's where it's Superman, bad parenting that's where Superman that's, not how, that's not how that works. That's what, yeah. Superman is basically the equivalent of like some dude who's just having sex with like Marvin's mom and just took him out to the circus and just went out like and just went drinking afterwards. You know? <laughs> he's not even a stepdad. Like he's not even there. He's just like, yeah, I'll take your kid out. And then he just like went and hit the bars. Drops him at the circus. For a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I want to ask a big question about the origin story portion of this, because what has happened is that there are these earthquakes that are on Krypton and they assemble this, this science league together. Uh, and they're just like, you know what? And all of the, the earthquakes have subsided and then people leave and then they reassemble. And then they're kind of calling out like heresy and sort of like treasonous activity for like potentially researching and looking more into the science where people are just like, no, we've got this. We're done with it. And it culminates with this line where one of the, the council members just simply says, do you see doom? And then immediately the earthquakes start back up again. So I want to know, we'll go around the horn on this one. I want to know what line do you personally want to say or something like tragic and earth shattering is about to happen. Like what's the thing that you would just be like, and this is the line that all of a sudden initiates the end of days. Joe. <laughs> so the line that basically is like, I say it and then it happens. Well, fuck. <laughs> Sony. No clue. I was not. This no, I got, I got nothing. Uh, you got nothing. Yeah. Um, I, I'm. I got nothing. The only thing. No, I'm, just, yeah. I'm still locked in here because of Mia and yeah. Lodi. <laughs> they were so on board to help Jorel. They just abandoned. Oh, they it. backed out. So. Oh, they <laughs> jump ship for. They jump ship first. <laughs> so fuck you, Mia and Lodi. Like How about this. that? I'll like go. I'll, Dave. I'll like go Tony's. No, it just reminded me of that like Twilight Zone episode. Your quest reminded me of the Twilight Zone episode where the dude was like, 
I think he's like looking for, he's like trapped on the planet by himself. He's like the last person ever. And all he wanted this whole time is to like have time to himself to like read a book or whatever. Oh, time enough at last. Is that what it was? That's the name of the episode. Time enough at last. Yeah. And then the, the very last thing that happens, he like steps on his glasses or his glasses break or something, right? And like yep, that's the yep. big twist. Like he has, he has all that time in the world, but he physically like can't see in order to read his books. And that's what it felt like to me. Like I felt like I would have something in my life that I've been like working for a long time, and then I'd finally like be like, ah, oh, I can finally relax and breathe, and then the world would just shake apart. That's where my mind went anyway. Right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Mine, mine's a little bit, I guess, more dark and foreboding. I would definitely want to be there and say like, as foretold in the prophecies. And you then, full and, biblical. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're full biblical. There's somebody in the room going, there were no prophecies. What is he? Oh, oh yeah. I guess <laughs> no fact checking. No time yeah, <laughs> but I feel like it'll be really like, we got this under control. It's going to be tremendous. We got it taken care of. Uh, and then everything ends. <laughs> what? Oh, too political? <laughs> too political? Sorry. I feel oh, like my, my last so, line uh, pre-apocalypse would have been, we should have rented air-cooled camels. Oh God! <laughs> I wrote that one down too. Um, All right. Any any questions that we have that we need to get answered about this origin story, which is why was arguably the worst? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we have a we have a super intelligent super scientist in theory uh, who is then told the, the basically complete origin story about Superman, including uh, where where he ends up landing and. Uh, and his parents' names, first and last name for both of them, Jonathan and Martha Kent. And they get up to the point where they go, oh, we, sh- we should name him after your family. The, the, the doctor goes, and what name was that? And the kid goes, that's top secret. And I'm like, but you gave him enough information to just zero in. <laughs> it's the child in Kansas, of the son of Martha and Jonathan Kent. You can probably cross-reference and figure out his fucking It's, it's 1973. Grab a phone book and you'll figure it out. Yeah. Also, there's this whole, like, they bring him to an adoption yes. clinic, yeah. and then he starts throwing, uh, Superman starts throwing around, as a baby, the doctors at the at the adoption clinic, and so they just give him back. Like, nobody questions any of this. But do you know the line before they, before they take him into, like, the, the nursery at the adoption agency, where they say to him, where they say to the... Like looking at the nurse, they say, "Take the child to the dispensary." Yeah, that weirded me out. <laughs> Dave, Can what's I up? Also say, all right, the Kents were worried. They initially were just gonna like keep uh, the baby, but then they were like, "No, people would ask too many questions. They'd run a million tests on him, and he'd be like the subject to all these experimentations." So that's why they took him to the orphanage. But they're riding around with a fucking alien rocket ship in the back of their pickup truck, like through Smallville. Yes, like yes. that's not gonna raise any questions. Uh I wrote that down. The, the, well, and the, the, the best part is when they see the rocket ship, that's a rocket ship straight out of the funny papers. Like, but, yet they've got this, the rocket ship is larger than, than the pickup truck. I don't know how he managed to load that thing on while they're wearing their Sunday right, vest, right. no less. And they go straight to the adoption agency and apparently hang out just long enough with the rocket ship still in the back of the truck. And then as they're riding home, they have the conversation, we should hide this so no one knows. And taking no precautions Jonathan for radiation. Kent whatsoever <laughs> real like master of the understatement like i i want to point out that there was a moment in here that seemed like it was a slight departure from some of the other things that we had seen uh we're now squarely in the middle of the adoption portion of this episode 
But as we've mentioned, these doctors are trying to understand this child that's throwing people around. And there's this moment where suddenly, like, I, I think it was one of the nurses, the doctors turns around to look at what young Superman has done. And the Foley or sound effects that they used for his eyes were kind of like the equivalent of saying, Zoinkers! Like, it was like, bloop! And, like, people would, like, turn around and be like, whoa! Like, the entire time. It was so weird. It was like they were trying to indicate some type of a double take or, like, real honest surprise. But nobody else at any point in time during this show, even, like, our our super, our junior super friends and associates, like, at no point did they make any of these, like, weird slapstick, fully eye movements. But it was just, it was comical to watch. And I kept laughing at it because they just kept doing it. Every time somebody looked at the baby, it was like, like they could not stop making it happen. It drove me, it drove me crazy. There was a lot wrong with that yeah. whole sequence. <sighs> Any other questions about adoption? <laughs> just in general. I love that they just, just gave general up. adoption they were like, questions. Look, this kid's real weird. We're just gonna give him back to the strangers that brought him in with a rocket ship in their car. <laughs> totally fine. Yeah, this Washer. this kid's a miracle of science. Let's uh let's just give them back to these heck farmers. I'm sure that'll go great. I mean, so. they basically they, so going back to another Hanna-Barbera property, they basically made him Bam Bam. Yeah. So he was like <laughs> maybe Superman yeah. was Bam Bam, like, basically. <laughs> From Flintstones, yeah. yeah. Maybe he's Yeah. It's it's basically the same same concept. So we're we're now really at the portion of this episode where we've We've wandered down a beaten path that nobody wanted to go on for over 23 minutes. We've now circled back to the spaceship where our junior super friends are are still moving forward to potentially get dropped off at any bus depot that's in the United States. Dave, go ahead. And I just want to point out that uh, all of our heroes at this point, pretty much all they've done uh, is fly or swim to a place, back home, and then to that place again. For whatever reason, I love that Superman took his balloons home, called everybody in from four corners of the earth, and then sent them right back out. Go ahead, Tony. Yeah, well, and and my favorite part is that then when when he goes back, he returns to yep. London, and we know it's London because when we get to the exterior shot at London, we hear <laughs> dun 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 dun. I wrote down London yes, music. That theme greets you every time you enter the city of London. Yeah. It's weird to touch down in Heathrow and just have them be like, dun, 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 dun. Yeah, flawless. Pilots really hate it. They do a great job of intake and really making you feel like this is an experience to be in London, England. Well, it's like when they went to Egypt and they were immediately standing outside of pyramids. On camels. On camels. They also they also have no concept of like a tropey a tropey equivalent music for for uh, Egypt, like because they had like they had they had. What do you want, like a sitar? Yeah, sitar playing. Or whatever. It wouldn't even be it's, it wouldn't even be sitar. Well, walk like an the, Egyptian wasn't a song yet. Yeah. <laughs> no, no it was, it's that it's that da 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 da. Like there's like a oh like the yeah yeah. They like didn't the have any of that coming out of the thing. Yeah, the 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 like typical Egyptian tropes, and so they just played this weird soundtrack that had. Nothing to do with anything, and had. It was I wish I would have written written down what what instruments, but they had a couple instruments. I feel like they had like a banjo or or something that was just completely out of place for for Egypt, and <laughs> the like Egyptian that's the soundtrack banjo, they go to after. 
You're like, uh, okay. Yeah, no, this is great. We'll work. Cool. All right, so, but but everybody's, yeah, everybody's back together. Yeah, Yeah, we get everybody finally back together. We're towards the very end of this now. They're working towards getting to this conclusion. I want to go with final questions that you would have about this area that we've deemed as the worst part of the scientific method. Sure. So um, just I, just very quickly, two quick things. One, why has ever anyone let Marvin around any sort of secret information <laughs> ever? Because he's clearly a rat or does not know OPSEC <laughs> at all. Um, two, no one notices that these guys are flying around in a flying saucer. Like, yeah. what's going on here? Well, nobody's giving a shit that the the Clarks have been driving around with a spaceship in the back of their truck, like, presumably three decades earlier. Yeah, I mean, like now I would get it. Everybody's heads in their phone when they walk, but like back then, people had to look up once in a while, and it's just like, where did these guys get a flying saucer from? And then. Their master plan is to rip apart a planet and then drag it <laughs> around the orbit of the Earth. Half of it. Just not the whole half thing. Of it. That not, would be ridiculous. <laughs> that would be, you got to save some That's for right. later. Um, so using the diamonds to create a laser to pull, break up a planet and then pull it down, um, nothing could go wrong. And even the girl, uh, Wendy, is basically like, no, that'll kill everyone with the tides and avalanches. And the doctor's like, no, it won't. I'm a doctor. Like, we've done tests on it. And it's like, no, you haven't, dude. If the girl who's like 15, I'm going to say 18 because it makes me feel better about my earlier comments. Um, if she's figuring it out with no scientific background and her special needs friend, then like, I think it's okay. To like just really believe her at this point, at least run some tests, and then he goes off and he's like, "Why don't you just ask Superman if this is okay?" And he's like, "No." The scientist literally goes, "No." Everyone else has told me no in my life, like, and everyone has turned me down. The scientific community thinks I'm a joke, and it's like, "Well, maybe you are, sir. Like, maybe you're <laughs> the most common denominator here." So. You didn't really think it through. The weird thing with that is that it seems like at one point the writers, this is probably giving them too much credit, but it seems like they wanted to tie that back to the thing on Krypton where the scientists didn't trust Jor-El. But the fact that it like is a completely flipped story anyway, because this guy was a crackpot, it, it makes no sense. I think you're reaching I with am. that. I, mean, they could I, have I, see, I see the parallel. They could have done that, but they decided not to. <laughs> <laughs> what other questions? Tony, what questions do you have? Uh, so this is more in the, the chase scene that that, uh, that ensues afterwards, after they realize that, oh no, Wilbur has double-crossed us and has stolen, has, has, has double-swapped the, uh, the, the diamonds for, for additional fakes, and Superman just figures this out, because Superman's fucking brilliant, apparently, but, so he, he's on the run, so, <laughs> and, and they go, where would he have gone? He goes, I know where he went, the subterranean coal mine tunnels, because apparently in Hanna-Barbera world, there are coal mine tunnels everywhere. Yep. That I, I honestly think this is going political again. This is where Trump has got this idea that somehow saving all the coal mine jobs is going to bring America back. Oh, again. I thought I thought you meant it's where he everything yeah, I you where he had the idea that the entirety of the country is just littered with mining tunnels. <laughs> that he can take a little cart that's ride what I mean. on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. 
<laughs> that too. Well, but that that leads to another tropey thing they do in every fucking Hanna Barbera thing, which is that you have to have some sort of a coal yep. mine chase with those stupid little carts from a sideways view. And it's another one of those animation things that probably takes like two seconds to animate, but you can have it take up like twenty seconds and play like thrilling music over it uh, on on the actual screen. Um, but yeah, the the minecart ride that was that was the last thing that I was like, fuck this show. <laughs> well, I mean, all Hanna Barbera cartoons take place in Central Pennsylvania, right. so it makes sense. All in Centralia. Yeah, yeah Centralia. in Centralia. All that's how those fires started. Centralia. Yeah, that's how those fires started. It's all the uh, Lackawanna. Dave, what final? Dave, what final questions are you trying to get answered? I mean, you guys kind of asked them. The only thing I would say is like, why don't our superpowers act? Our superheroes actually do anything? Aquaman does literally anything. nothing except swim back and forth. Wonder Woman, like Tony mentioned, transports him back and forth. Batman and Robin do butt stuff, like in the air and in Egypt, I guess, and on the trapeze. Superman's the only one who kind of does something. But even at the end, he just kind of like arrests the doctor very gently and just walks him away. <laughs> they don't do anything. The kids are the only ones who do anything. So why are we here? <laughs> what so are I we think doing? that this, 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 I, you bring up a great point, and this brings me to the final two questions that I have for this show. Is that I really think that we could have just called this show Friends. Sure. <laughs> There's nothing super about Not anything Justice that's in Friends. here. It just should have been called, yeah, Justice Friends or just. It just should have just been called people who are associated with one another and sometimes hang oh. out. But that's kind of too long. But, Tony, you got a question? Wilbur at one point says, uh, when they're flying around with the two kids, that he goes, wait a minute, you kids are friends with the super friends? And then they go, of course we're friends with the super... They say the word friends like five yeah. times in like a line and a half, and I wanted to scream. <laughs> and then he did. So my, my final question that I have for this episode is... Wilbur is now apprehended uh, thanks to the hydraulic lift that's in the back of this circus truck that's in there. And uh, we have our, our wonder pup who's on top of it. So they're kind of giving him credit for well, the arrest. All the kids are I want to know. Pulled that switch. It was all the kids and the dog. Right, right. So now that Wilbur has been caught and he's come face to face with Superman, do you think he got an autograph? Do you think he completely fanboyed out and, uh, and, achieved that dream of like getting a photograph or uh you know some type of an autograph from soups or do you think that soups was just like i'm just gonna drop you off in jail because that's what i do are you suggesting that this entire scheme from wilbur's point of view was just to meet superman correct i think no he doesn't get an uh he doesn't get an autograph because the illusion of movement would take too much time at a hanna Barbera (laughs) schedule (laughs) Uh, and they're like, nope, forget that. I like to picture just Superman. Just talk to somebody behind him. I like to picture Superman just like burning uh, his symbol, <laughs> his S symbol, into like one of the fake diamonds and just handing it to Wilbur. And like, there you go. That's all you get. Take that to jail with you. <laughs> the guy I feel bad for is the scientist, yeah. not Wilbur. The scientist who, A, thought that he created a method to destroy a planet and then pull it down and then B was going through it for the benefit of mankind. And then not only is he stopped, but he's like, N- Superman's like, no, all your stuff was wrong anyway. Wilbur faked it. And he's just like, what? Like, it's really sad. I've the world was shattered at that yeah. moment. I've kind of devoted my entire life to doing this. Like, I was solving your energy problems. Too bad. It was, it was a, it was, this is a very 
future forward show because they 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 did recognize the the scarcity of of resources and the lengths at which we are considering in order to try and replace them and also the fact that you could never make money as a as a uh, as a uh, uh, news writer that you had to be a TV yes. commentator because that's what that's what oh, Clark Kent's yeah. job Galaxy was TV. Galaxy Communications. Yeah. I also want to point out that this show forty three minutes unbelievably anticlimactic. <laughs> it ends with a dog eating snake. <laughs> yeah. This was forty three minutes of somebody with a plan and a backstory and an adoption that took and it's place and then suddenly realizing. Right, and there is no planet splitting. No action. You get to the very, there's no action. There is nothing, and you get to the very end, and they're just like, oh, your science sucks, <laughs> and that's And can it. I say that the only reason that that intro, that uh, that uh, background origin story for Superman even played out, that was the reason for them to take that like trip around the solar system and just like pop by Cygnus Uno and <laughs> come back. They didn't do anything there. They just popped by the planet and then came back just to give the kids 23 minutes to tell this origin story. So stupid. Joe, final thoughts. Jeez. It was awful. They should have just put, like, cop shirts on everybody and was like, here's a story about well-funded cops. (laughs) We're going to get to our recommendations in a bit, but any final thoughts about the episode in general? Um, I've seen the other episodes, and they all are, of at least the first season before it was canceled and redubbed, they're all like this. So if you're wondering if we just picked the worst episode of the bunch. No, they're pretty much exactly like that. And then I also like that the fact that the only superpower was we, we saw at all were Aquaman, uh, Aquaman swimming, which I mean, anyone can swim for the most part. Uh, Again, just friends. Yeah. Friends. And Superman flew, um, to collect balloons. (laughs) So there, there you go. That was the big action. X-ray vision. That's about it. And his X-ray vision. Right. And his X-ray vision. Right. So really, you could have just with a helicopter or a kite. Okay, man. So before we get into our recommendations for this cartoon, hey, guess what? Turns out, people of the internet, you guys have have additional opinions. And so we like to dig in and get into some of these. And so now we're going to hand this over to longtime listener and friend of the show, Bobby Anthem for this week's Love It or Hate It. Bobby, take it away. Your Love It This Week was written by Bear 4 from the United States on October 28th, 2016. It was given a rating of 10 out of 10. It's titled A Comedy Adventure Series Among Other Possibilities. And I will be reading it exactly as it was written. Yes, I'm giving credit where it's due. This was acknowledged in the TV Guide as a comedy adventure series. In episode number one, Batman says Robin, Superman, Aquaman, to the Batmobile. Of which is very heart-touching because of that famous quote from the 1960s TV show. And seven years later, when I saw in the comic of World's Finest number 90, the similar scene in which Superman is flying the Batmobile with Batman, Robin, and Batwoman in it. Also in this first episode, we see Superman flying some super friends as passengers in two of hands and maybe one on his back and seeing he's flying them, as he said, courtesy of Superman Airlines. In one hand, as I recall, he's holding Batman with Wendy in his lap. Truthfully, Stephen Steve G. Bear, a.k.a. Stee, of Framingham, Massachusetts, USA. 
and your hate it was written on August 7th, 2017 by OTWOD Otwad Otwad from Butttown. Really? Okay. He titled it Truly Awful, gave the show a rating of 2 out of 10, and said, This show is a terrible interpretation of the Justice League. I suspect that all the ridiculous changes and the fact that they didn't call the show the Justice League was a sad attempt to make it more kid-friendly. Imagine that. They thought that they needed to make a children's comic book more kid-friendly. There's so many things wrong with this show that it's hard to point them all out, but I will try. The worst thing is that they added two kids and their dog. None of them have any superpowers and can do nothing to help the super friends. Yet, time and again, they somehow manage to save the day. It seems very Scooby-Doo-ish. They attempt to add the comic relief and the stupid dog even looks at the camera when someone makes a terrible joke. It's extremely hard to watch. One thing that is unforgivable is that there are no villains in the entire series. It's always just a regular person who thought he was doing the right thing. Every episode ends with that person learning an important life lesson and no one goes to jail. To make things even worse, the episodes are an hour long. That could have been a good thing, but it's not. Half of every episode is just filler. They could have easily been cut down to 15 minutes with nothing missing. Another huge mistake they made was having Casey Kasem do 90% of the voices on the show. He doesn't even try to change his voice. It's just sad. I won't even mention all the plot holes and on-screen spelling mistakes. I hope the other Super Friends series are better. Fan freaking tastic awesome thank you for being such a super friend to us bobby nice. anthem we appreciate it you have more superpowers than anybody that's in this damn show that we watched tonight so we're now gonna go uh we're now gonna go around and we're gonna check out recommendations or uh if you don't recommend this show you have the opportunity to give it the dip if you're not familiar with the dip it is the dip from roger rabbit who framed roger rabbit which means that if you put it in the dip you erase it from the annals of cartoon history and so we have this opportunity to either recommend, not recommend it, and if you don't recommend it, you can dip it. We'll start with Joe. So I'm going to not recommend it, um, but I'm not going to give it the dip because I feel like it is necessary to show us where we have been um, in the past uh, and how terrible and far we have come. Uh, but I will recommend a show called Justice League Action, which is currently on... I think it's Cartoon Network. It's on at like seven o'clock in the morning on Saturdays, where basically it's they take the the Justice League, uh, and it's the exact opposite of this show. This show is all about logistics. That is like, all right, uh, you're in the middle of a fight between Superman and Darkseid. Go, and then it's a t it's a twelve minute long show, and it's just about the action uh, and the fight sequences, and they tell a coherent story while doing the fight sequences. It's very, very good. Awesome. Tony? Uh, for this one, I'm going to go same route as Joe. I'm not going to give it the dip. Um, not because I feel like it's necessary for, for the, like the canon or the world there, 
so much as it is necessary for parody because uh ambiguously gay duo i i owe to shows just like this existing uh harvey birdman attorney at law like yes. we we owe to to these shows being as terrible and tropey and dumb as they were and being all over our tv screens when we were younger uh giving us the basis for these other shows that are epically funny because of it so can't give it the dip but definitely do not recommend uh don't waste your time you could i mean this was three episodes combined into one all of which would have sucked so yeah not worth it awesome thank you tony dave what are your thoughts and feelings yeah i'm with these guys i'm uh, not going to recommend it but i can't give it the dip for the same reasons they've already said yeah hey guys we are four for four on this <laughs> Uh, this is a big do not watch this. Save your time and your energy. Uh, this is also coming out. Uh, this episode, obviously, if you're listening to this, this comes out in uh, within the next week. You are going to see Justice League in theaters. So also maybe save your time there. I don't know. Uh, I've heard I've heard early rumors that uh, the entire script is based off of Planet Splitter episode <laughs> and inspired by it. So just a heads up. Just a heads up. So. Although I will give I will give this show credit for the countless Aquaman is the worst character ever. <laughs> they really did ruin his reputation. Yeah, they totally ruined his reputation. I mean, if you look at the difference between Namor, yeah. who is basically Aquaman, uh, an earlier Aquaman um, from Marvel, and him, Namor is like the Vladimir Putin to this uh, to this. Teresa May of an Aquaman um, <laughs> where it's just awful. Well, I thought it was really funny that every time Aquaman spoke in this, similar to Justice League, which is coming out in theaters, he just kept saying, my man! <laughs> and like, nonstop. It yeah. was just, it was like, it was it was like snapping to a Slim Jim, like the entire time. It was incredible. Yeah. Didn't know that they got the voice of Macho Man Randy Savage to do this. Yeah. Guys, uh, so... Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we are now... I'm half the- human. We are now at the end of the show. Snap into so, a seahorse. <laughs> snap into a seahorse. I saw. Right. I heard snap so, into a sequel. I complete, like that better. Complete side story. I saw Randy Savage in the airport in Tennessee. Um, obviously before, before he died. Before he Hopefully. passed. Yeah. He, Another he ghost story. Through, yeah. And I, I, yeah, I thought this. I thought he was like uh, um, uh, Sergeant Slaughter, mm-hmm. and all those where the voice was just a put on for for like the for the show itself. But I didn't. I didn't see him at first. I heard him coming down the way. Because I hear him, we're gonna miss our flight. Oh, no. Like, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's still one of my favorite things that I was like, huh, huh. Like, I'm looking out the window, and I, I, I had this like spider, spidey sense that like Randy Savage is behind me somewhere. <laughs> oh yeah, window seat. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I'd like some extra peanuts. <laughs> See, I would watch this cartoon. I would watch this cartoon. I would watch this cartoon. Heartbeat. Just traveling with Savage. Yeah. So we want to thank Tony Lazzaroni for coming back on the show. And we also want to thank Joe Randazzo. So we just kind of want to give you guys an opportunity. What do you have that's coming up? Something that you would like to plug? And where can people, if you would like them to, find you on social media? Where can they find you? Oh, um, I am not on social media. I can't, I'm like, yeah, it's, I don't, I get in trouble. Um, I do. Uh, It's a thing. So I am not on social media, but uh, I am doing a show called Citizens Watch starting in December. Uh, it is based off the show Broadchurch, uh, the BBC mystery show. It is uh, a murder uh, improv show, dramatic improv show. Uh, and then I'm also I'm also have my other troops, uh, Jive Turkey, Foreheads, and Sistine Robot. 
Yeah, so we're all doing shows throughout uh, December at Washington Improv Theater. And we will have uh, links to this on our website. It's witdc.org for any of the tickets and times to, to be able to find Joe performing over the month of December. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks Tony, what do you got going on? Uh, so I'm actually uh, helping out with Citizens Watch as well. Not on stage like Joe. I'm doing the non-illustrious behind-the-scenes work, doing some tech work for them. God's but, work. Uh, I will be a part of those shows as well. What's that? God's work. God's work. <laughs> I am the god in the show. I get to turn out the lights. Uh, no, actually, I get to do the sound effects to somebody else turning out the lights. It sounds dumb now. Um, but I'm also <laughs> in, uh, in a troupe called uh, Trustfall. Uh, we perform on a regular basis. In fact, we've got a, a monthly show called Trust Fall and Friends here in the D.C. area on uh, one Monday each month. I think it's on the 13th, if I remember right, this month. It's either that or the 19th. One of the two. Something like that. Uh, then in addition to that, uh, I will also be performing with them as part of uh, Washington Improv Theater's uh, Seasonal Disorder Run uh, coming up at the end of the year. Find out more about that at witdc.org. Awesome. Awesome. Dave, what do you got going on, buddy? Uh, same old shit. You can find me on Twitter at DrClawMD. You can also check me out on Collider.com, Nerdist.com, and DaveTrumbler.com. What about you, Shawnee? Guys, as always, I perform in Washington, D.C. with a group that's called Knox. That's N-O-X exclamation point. Uh, and like Tony and Joe, we are going to have all of our tickets and times and availability that are up on WitDC.org. And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at SeanPaulEllis. If you'd like to find out more about Saturday Morning Cartoons, you can do so at our website, SaturdayMorningCartoons.com. Remember, that's morning with a U. You can also follow us on Twitter, at MorningTunes. Check out Sean's handiwork and possibly Tony's editions on our Instagram page. Keep the conversation going on Facebook. And listen to our free audio podcast each and every week through YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. As always, if you want to reach out to us, you can do so through email, SaturdayMorningCartoons at gmail.com. And if you want to know what's coming up next on the show and also to kick in a little bit of help uh, for us to improve it as well, head on over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Saturday Morning Cartoons. Anything else, Sean? I think that's going to do it for this week. Thanks, you guys, again. Yeah, thank you to Joe. Thank you to Tony for being here. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for this week. We're going to be back next week. Uh, the month of November is going to be all uh, guest requests as well as also our listener requests. So we're going to be back next week with a, with a listener request. So tune in for that. As foretold by the prophecy. <laughs> well, fuck. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Hey, everybody. Thanks a lot for listening to Saturday Morning Cartoons. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to transform and roll out.